Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge. Our next Reddit post is from Smo. I'm a trade painter who worked for around five years, essentially running a company for an owner who took a very hands-off approach. He was essentially a name and working capital and not much else. After I got an offer to work at a bigger commercial company and my old boss realized he would have to run his own company as there really wasn't anyone else in-house that qualified, he resorted to acting like a child to try to make me stay. He made me run around the world to receive my final pay, which I never even got, and refused to return my tools spread throughout various jobs. Revenge time. As luck would have it, another, even better offer from an even bigger company ended up in my lab that wanted to subcontract me a very substantial amount of their work. But I'm going to need more employees for that. Hmm... So I go through and call each and every member of the original company and offer them a $3 an hour raise to work for me, which they all accepted. After all, they know me, they've worked for me for years, and it's more money. No brainer. They barely know the owner, and what they do know, they don't like, lol. I then ask them to grab only my tools, which was the vast majority of tools on all the jobs, from their respective jobs when they leave for the weekend on Friday. Monday rolls around, and my old boss is getting calls left and right from supervisors asking why nobody's at work and what's going on. He was so hands-off, he didn't even have employees' phone numbers to call and ask them, LMAO. He's essentially without employees and little to no tools to complete any jobs at this point. Fast forward six months, and his company is now closed. He's lost all of his work. The new addition to his house has come to a grinding halt halfway through construction, and he's hurting big time. I never got my last check, but I did get a great group of workers and a company of my own, so I guess I'll just call it even. Hey, here's a crazy idea. What if you just paid your employees? That way, maybe they wouldn't burn your business to the ground at the first opportunity. Our next Reddit post is from Pissed Brewer. Nearly 20 years ago, I was a brewer at a brew pub. The owner was a complete lunatic and an utter a-hole. Before I was hired, he had already purchased the brewery equipment used from a closed microbrewery. The problem is, it was literally four times larger than it needed to be for the size of the place. And to top it off, he was selling big three beers too. Also, it was a Pugsley system, and if you're a brewer, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I made it work, and I even got this stupid ringwald yeast to behave. But I only need to brew about three to four times a month. So I wasn't needed anywhere near 40 hours a week, and I was salaried. So he decided that I needed to work night manager at least two nights a week to fill my hours. That was fine, it was an easy gig. After our first year, he advertised a huge anniversary event with specials on food and drink. Food specials, commercial beer specials, and didn't even mention that we made our own, much less put anything on special. Idiot. Not long after, I got my first vacation in over a year, and he was mad at me for insisting. But life was stressful, not least of which because my mom was in hospice with stage 4 cancer. But her condition was such that she said my wife and I should go, she'll be fine. So we went camping for a week. The day before our trip was to end, we got word that she had died two days earlier. My family didn't know how to reach us. Only my mom had my information. 
We rushed home, which was a six-hour drive. And on the way, I called my boss and told him what had happened and that I probably wouldn't be in for Monday as planned. This was Saturday. I found out later from a bartender that he had then complained to a chef that I was probably going to want more time off. I did, in fact, take Monday off, but I went in on Tuesday to do my night manager shift. Now, my mom's wishes were to be cremated with no embalming, so by the time I got home, she was already cremated. So the memorial service was planned for two weeks later, right before Labor Day weekend. There was to be memorial service Thursday and the interment for the family Friday. So I planned and made sure that the supplies were full and I wouldn't need to brew for at least a week. That Wednesday, the boss comes up to me and tells me he wants me to work the night shift on Thursday and Friday. Normally I did Tuesday and Wednesday to make up for the time off I'd taken to help my dad out. He wanted me to come in after my mom's funeral. I flatly refused, at which point he said fine, but I'd have to work a double shift Saturday then. I nearly lost it. I walked away, and after I cooled off, I went back and told him I was no longer going to do the manager shifts, and that I wanted to switch to hourly for brewery work only. He was angry, but stuck. He needed me in the brewery. Things started calming down, but after a few weeks, I noticed my paychecks were for less than I anticipated. I hadn't been tracking my clock in clock out very closely because prior to this, I only clocked in or out so I was logged in to do manager functions. But I happened to have a couple of slips in my wallet and because I still had manager access, I discovered that he had been altering my hours, eventually cheating me out of around 20 hours in just 6 weeks. And that's when I hatched my plan. I was done with this butthole. Remember that Rangwood yeast? Well, in a brewery, you harvest yeast from a fermenting batch to use to brew a later one, and since we were slow, it often had to be stored for a while before it got used. But you had to use it within 30 days, or it goes sour and starts dying. Normally, I would take other steps to ensure it stayed clean and healthy, but not on that last batch I harvested. It just went into the cold room and stayed there. I stopped going in very often, just logging tank levels to make sure nothing ran out and made him suspicious. I would even go in to make sure he wasn't in that day and later message him that I'd brewed. I hadn't. And I waited. On day 45, after I got the check for the last hours I worked, I overnighted my keys in with a resignation letter. He called me the next day screaming. I told him I knew what he'd done and I wouldn't be back. I don't know what he looked like when he went into the brewery cellar and discovered that he had empty fermenters, nearly empty serving tanks, dead yeast, and almost no grain. Pity, really. After that, he tried to hire my former assistant who was working at another brew pub by then because the a-hole had forced me to fire him to save money. He laughed at him. He then apparently got the underage son of one of the brewers at a nearby brew pub, which he had originally been part of to brew for him. But he had to fire him because the kid kept getting caught drunk down in the cellar. So he tried doing it, and I'd heard they stopped brewing entirely eventually. About a year after I left, he folded. The staff showed up one morning to padlock doors. I drove through there a few years back. In addition to the business being gone, the building was torn down. I felt like stopping to sow the ground with salt, but I was in a hurry. So after reading the story, I went down to the comments of this post to see if anyone explained why killing off the yeast was such a big deal. I mean, obviously, I know that you need yeast to make beer, but is there something prohibiting him from just going out and like buying new yeast? 
If any of my fans out there know anything about brewing, could you please explain down in the comments why that was so devastating? Because I'm actually pretty curious. Our next Reddit post is from Tatanka Jack. I worked in a state senator's office with a very smart and capable mom. She was a senator's aide, but that was only for part of the year, and I'm fairly certain she didn't really have a career apart from that. But she was incredibly capable. This lady would always surprise me with the things she'd done. Like, once, she casually mentioned the time she had gone to some conference in Australia to give a speech, and I was like, wait, what? My favorite thing she told me was about when she destroyed her local PTA. So, in the States, we had these organizations called parent-teacher associations. It's a national organization with local chapters for different schools. They exist to foster relations between parents and teachers, but usually just turn into lots of Karens making unnecessary rules, getting upset over stupid things, and generally causing problems. They're usually staffed by the type of people who like to create and solve problems to justify their existence. Sort of like a homeowner's association for schools. Anyway, this lady was no Karen. She didn't create problems. She solved them. She hated the PTA at her children's school. It was always causing problems and had budget problems. When it finally began getting field trips and recesses banned and wasting fundraising money and membership dues on administrative costs, among other issues, she decided that she had had enough. She joined the PTA, worked her way through its ranks, volunteered at all the events, ran for office, and became president of the PTA. She then used the bylaws and her influence to disband the chapter. The kicker is then she created her own local club to replace the PTA. One that wasn't influenced by a national parent organization and bureaucracy. She was able to raise tons of money for awesome events, projects, and trips for the students, and ran the club way more effectively than the PTA had ever been. And everyone at the school lived happily ever after. Such a cool lady. And down in the comments, we have this story from MJ Diddlenick. My kid's PTA voted to not tell parents that head lice was rampant in two of the classrooms, and the school nurse agreed. They didn't want a pessimistic vibe to affect the school. Yeah, that didn't work. So, your PTA literally tried to say that head lice was fake news? Our next Reddit post is from Vasty Worthiness. My group of friends have been together for quite some time, at least starting from the end of middle school. The majority of us ended up going to the same college, so good for us. Anyway, one of our friends had been acting unreasonably and starting drama for fun. It's been slowly building up for about a year. Now, gossip and rumors we can deal with because we know each other and we can usually pick the truth from the lies easily. At the point of her rumor spreading, we distance ourselves from her quite a bit. Her latest antics have been much different. For the sake of this story, her name can be D. In our area, COVID cases have been low, so we've started to go out more with the whole gang. Extra precautions aside, things look to be normal. We eat at a semi-formal restaurant, as is our custom. Something about dressing up and treating ourselves is something we try to do as much as we can financially permit. Things seem fine until the bill comes and it's time for each of us to settle up. Dee starts to get shifty and starts tapping at her phone. She stands up quickly and says she needs to go. It's an emergency. She fast walks out of the dining room and out of sight. We try to text and call after, but no answer. We end up all absorbing her part of the bill. A one-time favor for a friend in need, right? The second part of our routine is to go to one person's house, where we drink, watch movies, and have a good time. Kelly was to be the host this time. We're not much for gossip, but Dee's odd behavior mixed with her previous antics got us on the topic. 
All six of us shared some stories, and it looked like every one of us had had personal run-ins with our friend. The second time we all go out to dinner, everything seems well. Dee ordered a lot of mixed drinks and seemed thoroughly tipsy. Foolishly, we believed she would pay her tab this time. Before the waiter could even bring up how we wanted the bill split, Dee excused herself to the bathroom and didn't return. We all have jobs along with scholarships, so thankfully money isn't our primary concern. However, last time's bill paired with Dee's inflated dinner and alcohol tab would set us collectively back about 300 bucks. Reluctantly, we paid. Although we didn't see her, it was assumed that she drove home drunk. We rendezvoused to the host's place, very annoyed and in no mood to party. Again, Dee refuses our calls and doesn't open our messages. We busy ourselves by trying to get in touch with some of Dee's other friends. Through the mishmash of conversation, it was revealed that Dee was receiving a stipend from her father and she was saving to buy herself a new Tesla. Not only did she have a job, but she was getting free money from her daddy. There was no reason for her to not pay her bills. I guess she thought that this way she could get her Tesla faster. We had collectively become fed up with her garbage. Since all of us felt burned, we decided to plan some revenge. We knew she had the cash, she just didn't feel obliged to hold her weight. At this point, we were all waking up to how entitled she could be. Our sense of loyalty and nostalgia had blinded us for way too long. Today was the day. We decided to go to a very nice restaurant today, about twice the prices of what we would normally do. Dee looked so excited, bless her. We all ate, drank, and had a great time. Dee had ordered many drinks and was again drunk. We were careful not to wait too long or else Dee would dash. So just as dessert was over and the prospect of after-dinner coffee was being thrown around, we all declared that we had a surprise for Dee. Next month is her birthday, so we thought it would be reasonable enough time to use it as an excuse to get her to close her eyes. Dee did as she was told and was instructed not to open her eyes until we said so because the gift takes a minute to set up. <laughs> we all got up, quietly filed out of the restaurant, and left her there with her eyes closed. Just as we were pulling out of the parking space, we saw Dee running out of the door searching wildly for us. She caught sight of the car just as we rolled away, middle fingers arise. Our phones were blowing up like crazy. Tons of vile messages following the calls. I got to thinking, the bill must have totaled around $700 for everyone. We would have never picked this place normally, although the food was very good. The rest of the gang headed to my apartment, and about 30 minutes later, we each received a message saying we owed her $738.17, along with a photo of the bill. She had the audacity to include her part of the bill in that amount as well, and judging by the receipt, she gave no tip. Classy. I replied with this message. Guess you'll just have to dip into your Tesla fund. Take an Uber home before you lose your scholarship and your friends, boozer. We know you can afford it. To say she went crazy is an understatement. She went coconuts. She tore us a new one on Twitter, blocked us, then unblocked us to rip us some more, then blocked us. Now Kelly, who has an alternate Snapchat account, is treating us to her near-psychotic rants talking about fake whores who never did anything for her. I guess that's us. Maybe next time she'll learn to pay for herself like an adult. I have to agree with this top comment from Epi. You should tell her dad. Once daddy finds out that his sweet princess is acting much more like a spoiled princess, maybe he'll stop the payments. 
That was r slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, then check out my Patreon where I publish extra podcasts. Also, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.